Uh, we are, um, we're, we're waiting for one class to show up. Will you turn this down a little, Vic? This feels real loud to me. Thanks. Uh, it's the class that the president is teaching, though, so we really can't get after him. I don't think too much. Okay, but... It's time to start, right? Okay. That's right. The, um, the speaker of the evening is Dr. David Wilson. He is General Secretary and the Headquarters Operations Officer for the Church of the Nazarene. Um, how many people in the room moved from someplace to Colorado Springs to go to college? Okay, all right, all right good. I want you to know that he moved he was responsible for moving headquarters from downtown Kansas City to suburban Kansas City and did it in one piece, and he's here. So would you do that? He's going to bring the word to us in the middle of all of the challenges, in the middle of all the demands. We don't want to stray away from you. And so we make that our prayer, but we also make it our commitment to you that we will stay close with your help and we'll stay near with your grace and we'll listen if you'll speak. And I ask that you'd use your word and your messenger for your sake in our lives. We make ourselves available to you we pray it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Good evening, everyone. It's so nice to see you tonight, to be with you again. I think this is, I've been out here a few times in the last year, and I like it. I like coming to visit, and I like to be here and to preach and to share the word with you. And uh, I want to do that this evening. It's always good to be with your president, and I'm uh, getting well acquainted with uh, some of the faculty members now, and it's a privilege, and I'm even starting to recognize some of the faces of the student body, and I like that, I, I like that a lot as well. Seems to me we've got a few more people here than we had when I preached here last year, so that's a good sign. It means you're growing. Some good things going on. Let's uh, pray together, shall we? Open our minds, open our thoughts, open our ears, open our hearts to understand what you have in mind for us. I pray, Father, that if you can find anything, any way you can use these simple words that I will say tonight, I pray that you will use these words. May they speak to each one of us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In keeping with your theme for the year of finish the race and keep the faith. I want to share with you from Hebrews chapter 12 tonight, the first three verses. I think they're going to come up on the screen. If I'm, are they coming up? Good. You can follow along or follow along in the Word. If you've got the Word, you can follow along here. If not, you can just follow along on the screen. Let's uh, hear the Word of the Lord tonight. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance 
the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. How many of you have been involved in athletics over the course of your life at some point? Good, good, that's, that's good. Well, not everyone has to be to understand the metaphor in this passage of Scripture this evening. But I have to tell you that as someone who has been involved in athletics on one form or another, most of my life, this particular passage of Scripture means a great deal to me. It really speaks to me. In the previous chapter, the one that just goes just before the passage that I read this evening, the writer talks about the great heroes of the faith. I love the stories that are told here, that are represented. I, I have to tell you that as I come to the portions of Scripture that contain the narratives of the lives of these individuals, my heart rejoices and I become greatly excited. I love to tell these stories to others. I love to share them with my children. And now, as my little grandson starts to grow up, I'll look forward to sharing these stories, these narratives with him as well. I wish I had time to draw attention to some of their names and some of the stories that are represented by these heroes of the faith. But know that they are here. They are listed for us here. And some with a little bit of detail and some whose names are just mentioned because the writer acknowledges, I don't have time to get into their stories, but nevertheless, they are great heroes of the faith. As I read these, these, about these individuals, I have to say that I could add some names to this list, and so could you. If I were to add a name, one of the names I would add would be my grandfather, Charles Wilson. He was a very common, ordinary man. There was nothing outstanding about him at all. He was a farmer in his younger years, and then became just an ordinary laborer when my father was in high school and then on into uh, his uh, later years. He used to say, I, I'm not called to preach, but I am called to pray. And I love that about my grandfather. He felt a special call on his life to prayer. He was a hero of the faith. I could talk about my own dad. My dad was a minister of the gospel for about 40 years, over 40 years, 45 years or so. Uh, when he retired, he came and joined my staff where I was the pastor, and for over 10 years was a member of my staff, and it was a wonderful thing to see how my dad related with these individuals. In fact, I think the best years of his ministry were probably those 10 years that we were on staff together. He never pastored a large church, never held an important position, he was just faithful to share the word of the Lord and to pastor his people. Oh, he did one other thing. He raised two sons who are both in Christian ministry today. My brother is an army chaplain, a full colonel for Uncle Sam. 
and he serves the Lord well in the military. And of course, I have the privilege of serving the Lord and serving the church in the position I'm in. When my father passed away a few years ago, and we held his funeral, my brother and I were the ones who led the funeral. And I was the one charged with the responsibility of giving the eulogy. And one of the things I said was, he never did anything big and grandiose, but he raised two sons to love the Lord and to follow in his footsteps. He was the soil out of which we grew. He was a hero of the faith. My father-in-law was another hero of the faith. A district superintendent, after pastoring for over 20 years, he became a district superintendent and led the Southern Florida District admirably and incredibly. I watched his life and I learned from him perhaps more professionally than any other person, a great hero of the faith. And you could add names to this list as well. I, if I were to allow you, you would stand up and tell me about one person after another who is, in your mind, a great hero of the faith. Our scripture writer transitions from this listing of the heroes of the faith into the, the words of today's text. And in these words of the text, he reminds his readers, then and now, that these were individuals, the heroes of the faith, are the ones who are in the stands now watching you as you carry on the faith. They're cheering you on. They've run their race, and now they are handing off the baton to you, and you are responsible for continuing to carry on the tradition of the faith. I love these verses because they speak of the metaphor of running as it relates to the Christian life, to the life of faith. Now, I've read these words a lot over the last few weeks. I've been poring over them, studying them, and uh, trying to listen to what the Lord has to say to me and for me to say to you this evening. And uh, as I began to look at this, it suddenly occurred to me that this passage of Scripture sounds a lot like a coach giving a locker room pep talk, for goodness sakes. And those of you who've been involved in sports know what I'm talking about. You know that the pep talk is what the coach will say sometimes before practice, but often before games, to encourage and also to motivate the runners, the players, those who are participating in the contest. And I hear this, this pep talk being given. I, I, I have in my mind a coach walking up and down among the players, among the runners, talking to them, telling them what they, some very important points that they need to know in preparation for the race that is ahead. The first thing he says to them is, you've got to get in shape. Now, I have to tell you that whenever I heard those words, as when I was in sports, I, I cringed because I knew that it meant a lot of pain was coming, that they were going to work us real hard to get us in shape. These words in verse 1 speak to me. They cause me to take a hard look at my own life. They cause me to look deeply within myself 
and to be honest about my journey, about my, my race, the race that I am running. Look at these verses. He says, throw off everything that hinders. And that word everything is better translated every weight. And the weight could mean anything. It could be, any, it could be anything that is holding us back from running the kind of race that will help us to be effective. Now, if we follow this running metaphor, if we look first of all at the runner, the, 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 this word could be in reference to the runner taking off those extra pounds that have built up. You know, those extra pounds that are keeping the, keeping the runner from achieving his best. Or he could be talking about the outer garments that the runner wears and takes off and begins to, to get down to only that which modesty requires. Just light shoes and shorts and perhaps a tank top so that there is nothing that is binding him but, but he is able to run freely. In the life of faith, what the writer is referring to in this passage, he, in, this, in this particular instance, he, he is not talking about the sin in our lives, but he is talking about the weights that could lead to sin in our lives. The things that hold us back, the things that keep us from being effective. He is saying to us this evening to get rid of those things that hinder you, get rid of those things that are a weight to you before they become a problem in your life. You may not see them as problems until you sit and look carefully at your own life. Anything that holds us back from being at our best. Now, I've got to tell you, I want to be very honest and candid with you this evening. He doesn't give a list of things we need to watch out for, and I'm glad he didn't do that because there are some people that as long as they're watching those things on the list, you know, that they've fulfilled the scripture. But he doesn't give us a list. He just says throw off any weight, whatever it is, anything that is a drawback to you. I'll tell you something I have to be very careful about. I have to be very careful about the the television programs I watch. I I found that there are some programs that are a weight to me, that cause my mind to go in directions that weigh me down and keep me from running an effective race. I have to be careful on Saturday afternoons in the fall. I love college football. And I could find myself sitting in front of the television all all afternoon and evening watching college football. Anybody agree with anybody identify with that at all? <laughs> I'm getting close, yeah, right. I'm getting the middle of now. I have to watch that very carefully. Not because it's a sin to do it, but because it can be a weight that holds me back 
that keeps me from running an effective race, that keeps me from using my time, not necessarily uh, having my devotions or anything like that, but keeps me from using my time in the most effective way possible. So he talks about getting rid of the weights, anything, anything that is holding us back. He also talks about the sin that so easily entangles. Going back to the running metaphor, that thing that, that the analogy might be that which is a, a flaw in that runner's style or the way the runner runs the race. That flaw, that time after time, keeps that runner from having a breakthrough race. And until it's corrected, until it is, until that flaw is made right, it continues to be a hindrance to keep that runner from being most effective. My, my son is the uh, cross-country coach at Mount Vernon Nazarene University, and I love to watch his teams. In fact, I was watching his teams a couple weeks ago. He coaches the men and the women. I watched this young, this young freshman girl running, and afterwards I said, son, there's not an athletic bone in her body, is there? Because, I mean, she was all over the place. Her arms and legs were just flailing, and her neck and her head were, I mean, she was just running. She, she stuck with it, but boy, she was just kind of all over the place. And he said, Dad, she really doesn't have much experience in running. I said, I can tell. There is a symmetry about one who has been trained. There's a symmetry with the arms and the legs. And she had none of that symmetry. There was a flaw in her style that needs to be corrected. And when she corrects it, her times are going to improve. She's going to be a much better runner. He also has a young man on his team. He's had this young man for three years, and he's just at the opposite end of the scale. I mean, he is an outstanding runner. In fact, he only missed by two places of going to the national cross-country meet last year for the NAIA. He's an outstanding runner. He's very, very good. But his problem is he gets down on himself when he doesn't perform as he thinks he should. And there is a mental approach to running that becomes a problem. And I said to Chip after I watched Mark run, I said, you know, Chip, Mark's problem is that he just, he just, he gets, he gets psyched out. He's such an excellent runner, and when he doesn't live up to his potential, then he gets psyched out. He's got to correct that before he can ever go on and break the barriers that have been established for him. The barriers that are there that are keeping him from being at his best. In the life of faith, friends, there are areas of vulnerability for each one of us. Your area of vulnerability might not be what mine is. Mine not be, may not be what yours is. But there are areas of vulnerability that until they're dealt with, until they're corrected, until the Lord's grace has touched those areas in our lives, we will not be able to run the most effective race that we possibly can. Susanna Wesley wrote to her son John, she said this, whatever weakens your reason, impairs the tenderness of your conscience, obscures your sense of God, 
or takes off the relish of spiritual things, that to you is sin, no matter how innocent it may be in and of itself. And so we are called to look closely at ourselves and to say, if I'm going to get in spiritual shape to be able to run this race, I've got to get rid of anything that is weighing me down and the sin that entangles me, and I've got to, I've got to deal with those things, to let the Spirit of God deal with those things as He desires. We've got to get in shape. The second point in this pep talk is, You've got to keep your eyes on the goal. Verse 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the goal. Keep your eyes on the one you want to imitate. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And believe me, friends, Jesus is not over our shoulders. Jesus is this way. A runner cannot look back unless you're Hussein Bolt's. And he was a rarity. It amazed me in the Summer Olympics that in a 100-yard, 100-meter dash that he was able to look back and pound his chest and everything else. I mean, that just doesn't happen. That's a, that's a freak of nature right there. That's the only thing I, way I could put it. But a runner, most of the time when a runner looks back on where he's been, he's going to get off course and it's going to slow him down. And when we're looking back over our shoulders, that's what's going to happen to us. The scripture says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because being like Jesus is our goal. You know that uh, when the Board of General Superintendents came out with the seven words in English, seven words that define the mission for the Church of the Nazarene, our mission statement, the seven words, to make Christ-like disciples in the nations. That's our mission statement for the Church of the Nazarene. Those of you who are Nazarenes need to know that, need to memorize it, need to be able to say it, need to be able to understand what it means. But some of the, some of the words that came back to the board were words of criticism because the word holiness did not appear. And we said, listen, brothers and sisters, what is Christ-likeness if it is not holiness? What is holiness if it is not being like Jesus Christ? That's what we want to be, is like Jesus. Not letting the distractions that are going on around us keep us from the goal, reaching the goal, to be like Jesus. We might have to be careful about the people who are around us. I mean, I mean, sometimes there can be things said when we're in a group that make us be distracted, that take our eyes off of Jesus. There may be circumstances that come into our lives that make us take our eyes off of where we're going and get us looking back or get us looking off to the side with one of the distractions, especially when the going gets tough. I watched as many of you read your hand, raised your hands when you, when you talked about leaving home and, and coming here. You just kind of picked up and you came here. That's incredible. I'll guarantee you that 
in weak moments, the enemy jumps up on your shoulder and says, boy, if you were back there, life would sure be a whole lot different. I know he does that. He does it to me. We left a little grandson just, just about a month old when I, when I moved to Kansas City. He just lived around the corner from us. Broke my heart to walk away from that little guy. And when going gets tough, sometimes the enemy said, now if you'd stayed in north central Ohio, you get to see that little boy every day. But I wouldn't be where God wants me to be. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Keep your eye on the goal. And the third thing he says to us is, in this pep talk, is stick with it. The writer says in verse 1, run with perseverance. In verse 3, he says, don't grow weary and lose heart. Don't give up. Don't give up. Keep running the race. The going may get tough, but don't give up. The imagery that comes to my mind is the 1992 Olympics. A, ra a runner by the name of Derek Redmond was in that race. He was a sprinter for, for, uh, the, for the United Kingdom. And he was a good one. He was a very good one. In fact, he was a favorite in the 400 meter. He had completed about, about 300 meters in the race when suddenly he felt a twinge and then a pop in the back of his leg. And he dropped to the ground with a pulled hamstring. And he was badly injured, so much so, so, much so that he lay writhing in pain on the track. And as he lay there, he thought, all this work, all this effort, all this energy, and now I, and I'm not going to be able to finish the race. And then he said, wait a minute, who says? And this man got to his feet, and he began to hobble down the track, determined to finish the race. Now, there was something else that happened, too. Sitting up in the stands was his dad. And when his dad saw his son drop to the track, his heart was broken, and he came down, crashing through security, saying, that's my son. He jumped over the railing and ran out of the track and put his, his son's arm around his shoulder, and both of them, with tears streaming down their faces, began to make their way to the finish line. And about 10 yards from the finish line, the dad let go and let his son cross the finish line, finishing the race. That's what comes to my mind. Yeah, we can look at all the champions, we can look at all the heroes and everything else. But I want to tell you, friends, sometimes just finishing the race is enough. And the life of faith requires great perseverance because there are obstacles and hardships along the way. And oh, by the way, yes, we do need one another to help us in those tough times. I've heard people say, sometimes I just feel like giving up. What do they mean? Give up on your faith? What are you going to do? Go back and live in sin? You know, in John 6, Jesus got to preaching and teaching pretty close, and the people, some of his disciples just couldn't take it. And the scripture said that some of the disciples began to turn back, and Jesus turned to his disciples, his, the ones, the twelve, and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter spoke up and said, where would we go? 
You're the ones with, you're the one who has the words of eternal life. Where are we going to go? What do you mean give up? <laughs> what are we going to do? Where are we going to go? Jesus is the one who has the words of eternal life. Amen. Keep in mind, friends, if you finish the race, you're a winner. My kids started running in high school, and I loved it. I was a football player in high school, and I, I thought cross-country runners were, I don't know, sissies or something. But I learned that that was not the truth, not the case. And I became a, an evangelist for cross-country. I mean, I loved it. I just thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I mean, the, the wonderful kids and everything else, and I loved watching my kids. I, I mean, I lived for their races. I just couldn't wait to get out there and watch them run. And, and I would go out there, and I have to tell you something. It was exciting to watch the last person finish because the last person who finished would often get a chair just as large as the first person who did because the person finished the race. This great crowd of witnesses gathered around. They're cheering us on, and they're saying, finish the race. Amen. Stick with it. Don't give up. Don't become weary. Don't, don't slow down. Keep up. Don't lose heart. You're going to finish the race. Finish the race. Now, I want to add one more tonight, okay? Don't lose your joy. Have fun while you're running. My son had a young girl come into his office the other day. I, I was really excited when he told me this. He said, you know, Dad, he, he named the girl's name, and he said, she ran for me in eighth and ninth grade when I was a high school coach. And then she moved. And she said, now she's a senior, and she's coming back, and she's looking for a college to attend. And she came to my office with her mother the other day, and she said, Coach, I want to run for you so bad because you made practices so much fun. She said, oh, I never get that where I'm going to school now. And she said, I want to come to Mount Vernon and run for you because I think of you and think of all the fun that we had in training and in actually running the races and what an encouragement you were to us. Don't forget to have fun. I mean, friends, if, if, if all running is about is drudgery, what good is it? It's got to be fun for us. The life of faith is to be joyful and not burdensome. My son told his team this story last year during cro the cross-country season. He said that um, it was the Olympic Games, and the 100-meter dash. The runners got to their marks, and they ran the race. They finished the race. And the reporters crowded around the first-place winner, and it was quite an exciting thing. But the one who was making the most noise and the one who was most excited about everything was the third-place runner. He was jumping up and down. He was all excited. He was pumping his fist in the air, and he was so excited about about winning the bronze medal, about winning third place. He was so excited about it. And he came over to where, the, where the, the first place runner was being interviewed, and he jumped on this guy, and he just hugged him, and he said, isn't it wonderful that we got to run this race? And isn't it wonderful that you came in first and I came in third? Isn't that just wonderful? And the, and the reporters didn't know what to do. They just had to talk to this guy. And this guy said, I just think it's great to be able to run and to finish and to finish in third place. 
then my son told the rest of the story. He said, it was the Special Olympics. And he said, there were only three runners in the race. <laughs> the third place runner, you might remember, he was, he was a young boy who became a movie star. The young boy who played Corky in Life Goes On. My son said to his team, he said, never forget that we're out here to have fun. He said, we're here to enjoy ourselves and to have fun. He said, if you're not having fun, what good is it? You're intercollegiate athletes, but if you're not having fun, what good is it? He told me later, he said, Dad, at our awards banquet this year, they gave me, framed, a third place medal. And they said, Coach, we love running for you. We love this program. We enjoy running together. Have fun while you're at it. Now, let me just ask you to pause for a moment this evening. You've got to go back to class here in a minute and all that. But just pause for a moment and ask yourself this question. Is anything holding me back? Is there a weight? Is there a weight that's holding me back? Have I gotten distracted? Have I got my eyes off the goal, off the, off the one who is the author and perfecter of my faith? Have I allowed weariness to set in? Have I felt like giving up? Have I lost my joy? Anything holding you back from running an effective race, a race of joy, in the Lord. Let's just bow our heads for a moment, shall we? And we're just going we're just going to wait for a moment and and just give you a, uh, just a moment. I'm going to close in prayer just uh, just a, just a minute here. But just take a moment for personal reflection, would you? O oh Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O oh Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Lord, you know me. You know us, Lord. 
there's anything holding us back, I pray that you'll reveal it to us in a quiet moment through a pastor's message, through a class, through something that a teacher says. Reveal to us your deep desire for us, I pray. You want us to run a joyful, persevering, faithful race with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Help us to do that, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing a song here as we close.